Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. This morning, God is going to do something so powerful. Um, but first, let's just, let's just also honour the Encounter team for just leading us, in, you know, shooting us into a time of praise and worship. So I wish it to you guys can, it's all good. It's all good. Um, the reason why I'm, I'm telling them to go on ahead because they'll be talking to Green Room and I want them to have like, you know, just a bit of a head start so they don't miss out on anything. Um, but for us here this morning, let's just, I just want to encourage you guys, let's just turn to one another, turn to our neighbours and say, it's time for some meat. It's time for some meat. It's time for some meat. Whatever meat that is, whether it's, you know, you, you fill the blank as to whatever that is for you. I'll just have you remain standing as, as I also want to honour each of you. Um, for, for me, coming up here to speak, it's, it's kind of like a given for me to receive that kind of honour. But I also want to honour each and every one of you. You know, it's, you know let's be honest, it's a cold day. Um, you'd rather want to stay in bed. And you're probably thinking, hey, I could watch this recording tomorrow in bed. I don't need to head out. It's all good. So I want to honour you for stepping out into the cold, stepping out into, you know, in, in your obedience to step out and be like, hey, there's something for me this morning and I don't want to miss out. So let's just give a hand to one another for just, you know, I just want to place your honour is due because obedience is something that we should almost, you know, always honour as well. It's not something that you know, at times it's something that we do in silence, do behind the scenes, do in the background, but it's something that I feel that should be honoured as well. Um, you know, something behind the scenes like that where you don't expect to be honoured, that's where honour is due, I feel. Um, so remain standing as we honour the passage that I'm reading this morning. Um, if you have your books, you have your Bibles, just turn to it. Um, we'll go to Mark chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. See that? Right. I'm sure if you can read that, hopefully you can, but if not, I'll be reading it out to you anyway. So from verse 16, it says, As Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he noticed two brothers fishing, Simon and Andrew. He watched them as they were casting their nets into the sea. Verse 17, And said to them, Come, follow me, and I will transform you into fishers of men instead of fish. Verse 18, Immediately they dropped their nets and left everything behind to follow Jesus. Walking a little farther, Jesus found two other brothers sitting in a boat along with their father, mending their nets. Their names were Jacob, or some of us know, James, and John, and their father Zebedee. Verse 20, Jesus immediately walked up to them and invited the two brothers to become his followers. James and John dropped their nets, stood up, left their father in the boat with the hired men, and followed Jesus. What's so powerful about this passage is the word immediately. God didn't waste time. All right. Thank you for that. We'll maybe seated. You'll just get comfortable, relax, and I'll get comfortable as well. And this is why I got the seat, right? You're standing up here for 30 to 40 minutes. It, it wears you down. Pastor Ted can agree to that. Pastor Victor, Pastor Silva, you know how it is. It gets tiring. I'm sure the encounter team knows as well, the whole set. 
feet get tired. That's why I play the drums, because I'm on the seat. Um, but who here, you know, since I'm wearing this turtleneck, I thought, you know, let's be like a Steve Jobs. Let's talk about phones, right? <laughs> who, <laughs> who here has ever really, like, you know, have gotten a call or is receiving a call at a bad time, right? So you kind of just let that phone ring, and you just leave it. You're just like, I'll worry about it another time. I'll call back and say, oh, sorry, I missed your call. I was busy doing this, this, and this. Or, sorry, I was in the other room or stuff like that. Right? I'm sure I'm not the only one. Okay, everyone, okay, everyone answers their call. That's good. Um, how about when you are busy, who just lets it ring? You say you're doing something, you're at work, you know, hopefully you're at work and you don't answer your phone or that kind of thing, unless, of course, it's an emergency. Right? But who, just, who here just lets it ring if you're busy? Right? If you're busy, you just let it ring. That's good. How about if you're in the bathroom? Like if you're in the bathroom, for some of us, for some of us, we use the phones in our, in our, in, you know, while we're at the toilet. And you've got to keep ourselves busy, keep ourselves, you know. Just, you've got to do something there, kind of be staring at a wall. So what if you get a call while you're using the bathroom? Do you let that ring or are you one of those, you know, interesting people that answer it? And it's just, <laughs> you kind of let that ring, right? You kind of just, and you're, you're there just staring at your phone, just waiting, like, okay, I'm kind of busy watching five-minute crafts or watching, watching a video here, just, just staring at it until that call finishes, then press play, then you're back to where you started, back you were, where you were anyway. How about, who's, who here has ever gotten a call where you're not busy, you're not in the bathroom, you're able to receive it, there's no reason for you not to receive it, but you don't do it anyway because you can't be bothered you just can't be bothered talking to anyone that day. Is anyone, am I the only one? Anyone else? Okay, great. That's great. Look, I'm glad I'm not the only one feeling these things. Um, how about when you're, when you're expecting a call, right, but you forget that you're expecting a call? Let's say, oh, you know, you're, you've arranged a time for someone to call you, say, between one to three, and you just completely forget about it. The phone rings and you just have your phone aside and you just forget about it. Has anyone else done that or am I the, am I the only one that forget that they're expecting a call that day? Yeah, look, it happens. Um, sometimes more times than, than what we are open to agree or to accept to. But look, that, oh, all right, now I need to get up to get this. All right. The, the title of my message, funnily enough, as I'm seated here, is calling over comfort, right? I'll just let that let that sit. All right, I didn't I didn't mean that I didn't mean that, but I'll let that happen. Calling over comfort. You know, God has a lot for us to to unpack this morning, and a lot a lot of it is focused on. I don't know if this fly is hanging around me, but a lot of things to unpack. But the main thing that God wants to highlight is comfort zones. Talking about comfort zones. And this particular thing is that what God wanted to highlight is that it's not that we're getting too comfortable, but it's now at the point where we're already comfortable. And this is why I got this seat, because I'm already comfortable. I'm 10 minutes into my message, and I'm already comfortable. And for some of you, you're thinking this, like, oh, this is a very interesting message right now, the pastor is sitting, sitting on the chair, he's not standing up, 
and some of you can feel, okay, this is, is he taking this seriously? Is he taking us seriously? All these questions, is he taking it seriously? And that's the kind of thing I want to pose to you is because sometimes our comfort portrays a particular image to those around us as to, okay, are we we taking it seriously? And that reflects onto the word as well. When we hear the word and we are too comfortable, God is wondering, are they taking my word seriously? Because our comfort as well, the, the, the dangerous thing about comfort is that it can definitely hinder us from stepping into our calling. And for some of us, we're wondering, okay, what's my calling? Or you feel that, okay, God has given me a calling. And then you wonder, okay, what's happening? What's, what's going on to that? And God's highlighting to you, well, it could quite possibly be because you are too comfortable at where you're at. I know, meaty stuff already. You know, and what God wants to highlight is that this needs to change because there's a lot of stuff that we're going through this morning, even in praise and worship and what Jermaine had declared for us and what had shared for us. All these things we're so able and ready to receive, but it's all going to have to come down to you whether you take it or not. God's not going to, as much as he loves you, as much as he loves me, as much as he loves us, as much as he loves faith life, he's not going to force something that we're not ready to receive or don't want to receive. Amen? So in every, I'd say, I feel I could say this confidently, but in every church in the world, there are these particular comfort zones, right? Where it says it's judgment, prejudice, gossiping, isolation, and fear. These are things, these are comfort zones. And so I'm thinking, okay, I didn't, I didn't realize I can identify these as comfort zones. I thought these were just things that we do, right, or bad things that we do. But in fact, they, they can be comfort zones, and we can settle in them. But the dangerous thing is that we apply these things, you know, generally churches, you, some churches you may find, apply these things to people outside of the church. But now it's getting to a point where the problem is is that we're now applying this to one another within the church. When the church is called to be at a place where we are unified, a place of comfort, or a place for those to be able to give comfort to others, that's not lining up. How can you give comfort to someone if you're judging someone? Where there's prejudice, where there's gossiping, where there's isolation and fear. But, you know, let's, let's look into this because God really wants to dive deep in here and really address this. He wants to confront this issue. Let's talk about judgment, right? In particular, what God highlighted to me is between the adults, between the parents. And this is the thing that I was praying. I was, I was praying to God. I'm like, God, do you really want me to just be out here saying the parents are doing this, right? And I'm like, God, that's... That's a, that's a big thing. That's a Goliath in my face. But God's saying, look, this needs to be changed, right? And I know you're bold enough to go for it. And I'm like, God, you know me too well, right? <laughs> right? So judgment between the parents. For some of us, for some parents, God has highlighted comparison, right? And comparison, comparative judgment, where you see 
another family, another parent, and you already start thinking, wow, I can parent better than they can parent. Well, look how their kid turned out, or look how, how their kid is turning out. I can parent way better than that. If I was them, I would do this, 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 and this. I will teach them this. Wow, they would turn out so much better. Oh, it's quiet. It's quiet. This is it. This is it. This is the meat. This is the meat. I'm feeling it. I feel, I'm feeling, I'm feeling eyes on me right now. Lord, help me out. Help me out. Help me out right now. All right, let's just, thank you, Lord. Let's just enter a time of prayer. Holy Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you're with me, that you haven't abandoned me right now, Lord, that you haven't forsaken me, that you are speaking through me right now and all the stuff that is being said isn't coming from my own malicious intent, but something that you are wanting to confront, Lord. And when I say the word confrontation, we're talking about change. We're not talking about condemnation. This is an opportunity of change this morning, and I thank you, Lord, that you have given us this opportunity and that you are not leaving us behind, but you have a, you know, you have a plan and purpose for us, for us to step into. And sometimes we just got to dive deep and hit that wall to have that breakthrough. <laughs> Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for the agreement. Back to judgment. All right, parents, we can't be comparing with one another. Firstly, they're not your child. Secondly, you haven't experienced the stuff that that parent has experienced. You don't know their culture. You don't know the stuff that they've grown up with. You don't know their experience. You don't know the hardships behind the scenes. You don't know the good times and the bad times. Sometimes it's easy for us to just pick out the bad times because it's much easier to pick out the, you know, to notice the thorn in other people than to notice the thorn in ourselves. Oof. Next is prejudice. Right? This is for those that are, that are looking at leaders and pastors within the church. Some of us feel that we can only go to certain leaders or certain pastors in this house because some are more anointed than others. This is dangerous because God is saying, this person is positioned for you at the right place and at the right time. And you're missing out on that because you think that person has the answer when no, God has placed that person, that leader, that pastor in, at that place at that time for you to receive from. An example of it, there was a time when, I can't remember exactly what had happened, but I was at the front here. And usually at times, you know, there'll be a time to... Um, to respond after as well, but it was, it was a response time. We were here having an altar call, and I was at the front here, and someone was waiting to be prayed for, so I approached this person and said, oh, do you need prayer? And he's like, oh, I do, but I think I'll just wait for Pastor Ted, Pastor Silve, because it's not, not that you don't have it. I know you're anointed, but I just feel that there's something that, like, I feel that their anointing will just answer what I need to, need to receive. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm there, I just like, okay, fine. Five minutes later, step back. Then that person is still waiting there, and then they approach me, and it's like, oh, okay, you know, you can pray for me, they're taking a while. I'm like, all right. I lay into this person, pray, prophesy, lay all these things, say all, speak all this truth, give them a word of encouragement that lines up so definitely in their life, and I say, wow, you're spot on. How did, you, how, how did you know all this, this, and this? I'm like, it's not me, it's God. The same God that I serve, the same God that has anointed me is the same God that anoints 
past dead, past the survey, past the victor. It's the same, it's the same God. It's not like, okay, who, choose, your, choose your character, choose, you know, choose which, which God you want to hear a prayer from. It's not that little, you know, it's not an arcade machine as to which one you think you have your best chances of getting the best results. It's not like that. Thank you, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> Next one is gossiping. Oof. Another big one, another, another, another slab of meat. This is something that we're doing. We're gossiping between one another. And it's touching base on all these things. Judgment, prejudice, isolation, fear. This is all something like, oh, did you hear someone say this is what's happening? Oh, did you hear this, this, and this? I'm not going to dig too deep into this, but I just want to ask you a question for those that feel that this resonates with them. Is that what are you actually achieving when you do this? What are you actually achieving? Because it's not like you're planning a way to comfort or be with them. You're just talking about them. For what? What do you gain other than hurtful words or things of just identifying? Sure, you're identifying issues. You're identifying things there. But what are you, what are you doing with it? And that's why it's a comfort zone because you have, you're sure you've been, take it as you've been blessed to be able to discern and identify things, but you're not doing much with that. You're just sharing this information that is, that, that is hurtful. And this is why God is saying this needs to change. Isolation and fear, these go, these go hand in hand. Some of us are in the comfort zone where we feel that we'd rather be by ourselves. In regards to isolation, this is talking about life groups. This is talking about those, uh, for those watching, this is like, a, like an urban life or a connect group. But some of us feel that it's like, you know, it's, it's our stake on the world. This is group A. This is, you know, this is, this is it. This is God's disciples. The rest are just, I don't know, just filler characters. This is, we're the main ones, right? But God's saying, hang on, there's got to be unity. There's got to be unity within the church. There's got to be unity within the people. And this is what is dangerous about today is that, sure, we could all be here and you think, oh, AJ, we don't, we're not like that. You know, we're, we're all together here. We're all gathering. I'm sitting next to someone else. I'm, sitting, I'm, I'm in the same row as someone else that I don't know, I haven't really spoken to. That, that's your problem. You don't know who you're sitting next to. You don't know what the person next to you needs because sometimes we feel that, okay, I'm just going to keep to myself. I'm going to stay isolated. It's just God and I take on the world. We're going to do it. I'll tell you, that's the, that's the wrong idea. But the next thing that God wants to identify is, okay, now that we've identified this, is now how did we get here? How do we get to this place of comfort zone? And it's pretty straightforward. It's fear. We are afraid. You know, we're, we're, we're afraid and we're in fear because of a lack of comfort. Initially, there's a lack of comfort, so we're afraid. So what we do is we look for our own comfort. I've got to get comfortable, I've got to grab this. Oh, I see this. This can, this can get me comfortable in a while. But what God is saying, it's not your place to look for comfort 
It's Holy Spirit's place to give you comfort. That's why he was sent. That's why Holy Spirit was sent. Right? It's what I want to identify as well. This is why I'm like, God, do you really want me to be this confronting this morning? And I said, yes. That's what Jesus was doing here on earth. He was here to confront. I mean, of course, not only confront, he was there to comfort and console those that, are, that were weary and to give hope and life and all these things. But that's not all that God is and Jesus is limited to. Jesus isn't limited to just giving comfort. But he was there to confront. Why did he confront? To confront is to change something. Right? The intention of confrontation is to change something. So all this stuff to you is like, oh, wow, this is very confronting. This is really... That's good. I'm glad you're feeling that because God is identifying to you something needs to change in this area. And so this is what God is presenting. This is an opportunity for you from this feeling of confrontation to step out from that comfort zone. As intimidating as, as in your face as it is, we need to step out of our comfort zone. I've got it here. I don't want to I've written it quite nicely, so I don't want to just ad lib it, so I'm just going to read it off from this. It says, you're here because of fear. You're in fear because of a lack of comfort, and now you've gotten familiar with the pattern of the struggle and the lack. You've gotten familiar with it. And so you settle there, you stay there because, hey, I know this, I know how to deal with it, I can live by it. But see, the greatest enemy of faith is in fear, it's the familiar. It's not fear. It's the familiar that will set you back. Some of you looking at me like, okay, that's great. It sounds cool, but what does that mean? Right? You're saying the thing is, the reason why the familiar is a greater enemy than, than fear is that when we have fear, we want to run to something, right? Or, or I don't know, am I the only one that wants to run to something when, when, I'm, when I'm in fear? Anyone else? Anyone else want to run to something when they're in fear? Right. So this is what God is highlighting. The, the thing about fear is that you can use this as the very catalyst for you to run to him, for you to lean to him. So the question is now, when you're in fear, when you're at an uncomfortable place, where do you run to? So the question goes out to you, where do you run to when you're in fear? And the thing with the familiar is that when we get familiar, we feel that, we know, we, you know, that we've got things settled, things are good, you can handle things on your own, you kind of feel like you can settle in there, and then you find yourself you know, no longer needing to lean on God, no longer needing to talk to God. So your comfort isn't only stopping you from stepping into your calling, but it's also now severing the relationship that you have with God. And this is why comfort zones are so dangerous, so hurtful, so toxic in your life is because it's something that we may not even notice because we just settle in. We just settle in. It's comfortable. I can stay here. I can, I can rest here. But the danger of that is that we can no longer speak to God. Not because the bridge is being burnt or anything like that, but because we don't even consider that bridge anymore when we're comfortable. 
as I said, comfort isn't a bad thing, but the issue is where the comfort is sourced from. That's, that's, the, that's the issue there. Where is the comfort sourced from? So when you find something when you're in fear and you're, and you're wanting a place to look, to look for in comfort, some of us you know, direct our eyes, direct our attention to things that are temporary or things that don't really give us comfort, but it's a false sense of comfort. But really it's hurting us from the inside out. And that's what comfort is. I mean, if it's not comfortable, you wouldn't naturally stay there. You'd want to go something, somewhere else, right? And so the question is, okay, now that we have identified that Holy Spirit was sent to be the comforter, that's the solution. The person or the, or the place that we need to run to is in the presence of Holy Spirit. It's not in, it's not in our own strength. It's not, somewhere, it's not somewhere else. It's what Holy Spirit has for us that gives us that comfort. So this morning, we need to be, I feel that we need to be real with ourselves. You know, where, you know, asking yourself, where is this comfort coming from? All right. Moldy bread. My favorite breakfast meal. I need a drink from all the moldy bread that I had. Just sit in it, just keep an eye on that while I... So, now that you've all just identified that, yes, that is moldy bread, AJ is correct, who would eat this bread? Who would care to join me in eating this bread on a seven-day diet plan, eating this bread three times a day, one slice a day, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll portion it out, we won't rush through it. Who would eat this with me? Thank you, one. No one wants to eat this bread, right? From all the stuff that I asked you to raise your hands, so this is the one that you're definitely saying, no, nah, no chance. The other one's like, oh, maybe, but this one is a definite no. Except that one person. Thank you for that. So you're probably thinking, why is AJ showing us moldy bread? What does this mean to us? You know, when I was, when I was praying, like, God, what am I going to speak on, right? Because I know that you're going to get me to say some really confronting stuff because that's what you love me to do. But what is it that you want me to talk about? I get this vision. God has given me this loaf of bread. It's nice. It's fresh. smells good. Nice crust. Ran my knife on it. Sounded good. And then when I'm, as I'm observing it, this bread just starts just accelerating in age and it starts to get moldy. It starts to get old. And from that freshness, from that nice, freshly baked like scent, I'm now in a place of disgust. I'm in a place of, oh, why am I even in this room right now? And God is saying, get ready for some meat. Not bread, but God is saying, this is what the people in church are consuming. Moldy bread. Because of their comfort zone, because of their comfort levels, because of their level of intimacy, they come in church on a Sunday, they get some bread, and they only eat from that 
for the whole week. Nothing new throughout the day. It's that same bread every single day. And even though it gets stale from day three onwards, and we may get some mold from day five, they'll keep eating it because it's the only thing they have in front of them. And that's dangerous because, as I said, it's a toxic thing that you're now starting to consume. Why is it? But AJ, you know, it's the word. It's 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 good for us. It's it's something for you know. It's something that will help us out. You know, you can eat that whenever. You know, you know, the word of God is for yesterday, today, and for I'm like, yeah, it is, it is. I'm not I'm not denying that. But similar to that passage that we all know, His mercies are new every morning. Thank you for the two best friends that are helping me out there with that illustration. <laughs> If his mercies are new for us every morning, what else is new for us every morning? Fresh revelation, fresh encounter, fresh experiences. That's not something that God is withholding from us. There's nothing that God withholds from us. So why is it that we're, we're staying with the same loaf of bread every day? Jesus even goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. All right? What are we doing with that daily bread? Are we just stockpiling it in a, in a room? Like, oh, I'm not done with day, like, day 50 yet. I can't eat day 75 bread. <laughs> let me finish this. And you're like, let me, I know it's moldy, but I've got to finish this. Nothing to waste. But it, now you're stockpiling all this stuff, but you haven't even digested it. But God's saying, hang on, that bread is for today. You're eating bread two, two years old. Ooh. And for some of us, we relate the thing that we're consuming, the thing that we're basing off of, the revelation that we have, the encounter that we have, we're basing it off of something that was three years ago. Right? You have this encounter three years ago for some of, you know, for yesterday, right? Yesterday we had baptisms. Right? Yeah, that's worthy to celebrate. You can celebrate this one. You don't need to celebrate the moldy bread. And it was a step of faith. It was a step outside of their comfort zone. It was a public declaration. Right? But for some of us, you know, not all of us were baptized yesterday. Some of us have been baptized years ago. But some of us are only basing our encounter, our experience with God at that baptism. Come on. And some of us have re- received this revelation maybe two, three years ago from a guest speaker or, or a sermon that you've heard or a book that you've read, you're basing off of, off of that one thing, and then God, wow, this is powerful, I'm going to make this, you know, my lifelong thing, this is what I'm going to live by, because I think that's great, but I've got more stuff for you, and you're like, no, 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 this is good, this is, like, I'm, I'm fine where I'm at. But God's saying, no, I've got good news for you, fresh news for you. Can you imagine if the disciples stuck at a time where they had the revelation that Jesus had died on the cross. And they're staying there. And then when Jesus was resurrected and he came to them, and they're still thinking, no, 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 this is what I saw, this is what I experienced. They would have missed it completely. Right? They would have missed it completely. I'm pretty sure from this Bible we would have lost a few more pages. Because it would have ended at the Gospels. It would have ended when Jesus was on the cross. Because the rest, they wouldn't have believed. 
the experiences, the revelations, the encounters, the miracles, all the great, all the great works, all these things that God has for them, all the things that God has for us, we wouldn't have been able to attain these things if they had been stuck at the comfort zone of three days ago. And so for some of you that God is highlighting, some of us are stuck three days, three weeks, three years. Some of us even, I mean, I'm not there yet, soon, but not there yet, three decades ago. I'm glad I'm not there yet. Let's slow it down. Let's take it easy, God. No need to accelerate time. But some of us are stuck years ago at something that God has shown us or something that we've experienced, whether it be a great thing or whether it be a hurt. Ooh. something that we hurt three years ago that we haven't forgiven, that we haven't gotten over. And I don't mean to say gotten over in regards to like, you know, just get over it kind of thing. But it's something where you're, when I say gotten over it, I say you're standing on top of it. You're a victor over it. You have conquered it. And some of us, we've already won the victory, but we're still thinking that we're still in the battle three years ago. Come on, this is speaking to someone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Some of us are thinking, oh, now this is a very touchy subject. But some of us, you know, we've all experienced someone pass away in our lives. And thinking, why did God allow this to happen? But I encourage you this morning that, you know, Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. And the Holy Spirit wasn't just sent 2,000 years ago. He's available to you today. He's available to you right now. And that comfort is available to you. That peace is available to you. And I want to encourage you, like this is as much as I could say and as much as I'd love to hug you, I can't really do it up here right now. But God loves you so much. God loves your generation, your family so much that he's not going to forsake those that have passed away. So I give you this assurance that God has them in his hand. He's still speaking to them, speaking over them, still loving on them. But what God wants to encourage you this morning is, where's your encouragement? Where's your comfort? It's time for you to receive that. Don't get stuck on three years ago. Don't get stuck on a hurt or on a pain because God has all these things available to you. God has all these things for you, ready for you to receive. You don't need to keep digesting that moldy bread. Okay, let's, that's enough of that. Let's, I think we've seen that enough. You know, Isaiah 43, 19. Amazing passage. It's great. For those expecting something, for those that want prayer in something, or those that have been praying something for what they want, right? It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Beautiful. You're just like, mm, I can hear the streams already. I could, I could smell the fresh flowers. I'm already there, God. Yes, Lord, amen. Right? Amen. But this is what I intentionally, I intentionally didn't leave verse 18 there or put up verse 18 there because it's something that we forget. It's, at times it's something that we don't even want to read. We just zone in on like a verse, just 19. 
just, and then you just place your hand over, like, oh, we don't worry about verse 18, we're just talking about verse 19. Because verse 19 sounds good. I want what's good. I don't want anything that makes me uncomfortable. I want what's good. And when you're in a comfort zone, you feel like, oh, yeah, I'll only get out of this comfort zone if it's good, right? If it's, if it's really good, if it's like an even comfier seat, <laughs> right? If this turned into like a lounge where I can just sleep on or something like that, I would, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm moving seats, right? But I want you to turn to verse 18. I want you to actually physically look for verse 18 now. Rather than intentionally looking for verse 19, I want you to look for verse 18. Hunt for it, look for it. It does exist. There is a verse 18. It's not just 17 skips to 19. There is a verse 18. Are we there? There? Great. What does it say? Exactly. Forget the former things. And it's challenging because oh, I don't want to forget the former things. Those were the good days. Those were the good times. Those were when I had this, this, and this. Those were things when it was going well. That's when I experienced this. That's when all this was happening. It was all great. And this is the thing. Where for some of us, it's easy to say, like, oh, yeah, I can forget that. Because, you know, basing it off of a bad experience. But sometimes it's a good experience. And sometimes it's hard for us to forget the former things because it's a good experience. But God is saying to forget that. Why? Because it's getting in the way. It's getting in the way of your revelation. It's getting in the way for you to step into what God has promised you. It's getting in the way. And God knows this. This isn't, this isn't something where you're trying to hide from God. God knows that it's getting in the way. He's always known Forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. Some of us are praying things over and over again. God, do this. I want you to know. For some of us, we're praying for the church. Oh, Lord, let the numbers grow. I just want you know, everyone to experience God and all this kind of stuff. And for some of us, we're praying for things where it's like, God, I want you to move so powerfully in my household, so powerfully in my community, my workplace, all these things. We're praying all these things. Great. Great prayers. Great, great, great prayers. But the problem is, or the issue is, is that when God presents it, it could be something unfamiliar. And then when it, that something is unfamiliar, we're like, oh, no, that's not what I prayed for. And then we go back into the loop, oh, God, you know, I just want, I pray for this, I just pray that I get this, this, and this. Like, for example, like, God, I'm thirsty, give me a bottle of water, I get handed this bottle of water. God, I'm not really much of a Mount Franklin kind of guy, I'm more of a... I'm more of a pump, you know, give me some Gatorade, I want some isotonics, God, you know, you know I need that isotonic, I don't need Mount Franklin, and God's saying, no, this is what you need, you need hydration, you need, this is the drink that you've been wanting and seeking for, but it's unfamiliar, and then because it's unfamiliar, there's something where it's, okay, I'm going to leave that behind, I don't need it, I'll just keep praying, I keep going, I can wait, oh God, I'm, a, I'm your servant, I can wait forever, for whatever. I'll take whatever time, you just do this. Ten years, God, you got it. Ten years, I'll pray for ten years. I'll, I'll keep praying, I'll keep praying. I'll wait, God, I'll wait. 
But God's saying, hang on, I've got this for you. Like, no, 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 I, you know, I, get, I get what you're saying, God. You know, this is a test, right? This is a test where you're saying to me, I've got to wait some more, not fall under the temptation of what you're giving me, but something where, you know, the greater things are yet to come, Lord. Yes, this is great, but there are greater things. Yes, Lord, I will wait for 10 years. And God's saying, okay, how about this one? Like, I don't, look, that's good. That's even better. I like that, but, and I'm ready for it, but not under this greater, this greater, this greater. And then we get into this endless loop over and over again. Next thing you know, you miss out on the exact thing that you're calling for. Yeah, come on, somebody. Let's. Some of us are praying for things and we're getting the answer, but because it's unfamiliar, we don't step into that. So what God is di- trying to direct you, this pastor has said it well, the name escapes my, name, my head, but he goes on to say, God is taking you from a place of comfort zone to the unfamiliar zone. It's not just a comfort zone to, I don't know, question mark, but it's the destination is the unfamiliar zone. And in the unfamiliar zone, there are new things. Right? In the unfamiliar zone, you start to experience the unfamiliar. You want new things? Step into a new place. Some of us are staying at the same place all the time. Some of us are asking for, God, I want to experience this, 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 which is brand new in my life. I want to experience it. God presents it to you. No, God, that's outside of my comfort zone. So inadvertently, we are limiting what God is doing in our lives because of our comfort zone. It's not that God has abandoned us. It's not that God doesn't have anything for us anymore. He has plenty of stuff for us. It's just that we're not open to receive it because it's not in our comfort zone. It's in another zone. So I challenge you this morning, are you willing to step out of that comfort zone? Are you willing to step out into the unfamiliar zone? some of us are so far deep the reason why I've got this is I want you to really soak it in rather than just me saying it I want you to read it out as well some of us are so far deep into our comfort zone that we rebuke the very thing we are praying for in our lives because it's something we aren't familiar with see Pastor Ted, Pastor Solvay Pastor Victor they say amazing, amazing messages every Sunday they got something right and it's great. Yeah, let's, let's honor that. That's great. Right. We've got fresh downloads every morning for every morning. And there's all these things for us that they're pouring out that God is just really just speaking through them and all these things. But when it comes to doing something about it on a Monday, Tuesday, oh, when it comes to needing to change something in your life for you to receive these things, ooh, we go quiet, don't we? Yeah, we can celebrate on the Sunday. Pastor Ted, Pastor Solve, Pastor Victor, any guest speakers that come in, we can celebrate, we stand up, we can cheer, like, yeah, that's so good. Jermaine's at the front here declaring things, yeah, that's so good, amen. Come Monday, what happened? It's all quiet. We go back. We revert back to the pain. We revert back to the struggle. We revert back to the lack. In all due respect, right, Pastor Ted has been talking about breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And that's this thing I think Regina told me that one of the one of the pastors had said that they're repeating the same message because the church isn't getting it. Ooh. What aren't we getting? Pastor Ted's been speaking about breakthrough, 
And we hear, God, give me breakthrough, give me breakthrough. And Pastor Ted speaks on it. Yes, that's exactly what I need. Come Monday, you don't use that tool. You don't use the thing that Pastor Ted has equipped us with. Ooh. This is confrontation, right? This is confronting. This is confronting. But this is something that, that God is identifying. I'm confronting you because I love you that much. To rather see you than just settle down in something where settling in lack and in pain and in hurt, I'd rather see you succeed. I'd rather see you at a place where you're seated, not in a place of comfort, but in a seat of victory, right? I'd rather see you at a place of promotion than a place of demotion. I'd rather have you qualified than disqualified. And it's why God is confronting you this morning is because he doesn't want you to be settled at a place of lack. So as confronting as this is, and as meaty as this is, keep chewing. Don't choke on it. Keep chewing. There's more to the meal. There's more to what God has for you than making you feel the way you're feeling right now. God is giving you an opportunity to change that. You know, John 3.17 says that Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world. Right? For God so loved the world, and we know that passage. But in verse 17 it says he, Jesus wasn't sent to condemn the world. But he's there to confront it. It's what I said earlier. And Holy Spirit, which was then sent to comfort us. See, the devil doesn't want us to be uncomfortable or else we will change and seek anything different. This is the agenda. This is the strategy of the enemy, is that he doesn't want us to be at a place of discomfort or want us to feel uncomfortable, because if we're uncomfortable, we'll find somewhere to be comfortable. The enemy knows this. So the question is, where are you going to run to? He wants us to be at a place of comfort. Even when God has for us, like, you know, Holy Spirit is sent as a comforter. Yeah, comforter is not a past tense word, but it's an ongoing word. So he comforts us on a daily. So if you're comfortable in one day, the next day, you've got to step out. Do something new. Do something fresh. Allow Holy Spirit to comfort you for the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Continually. Where the enemy will try to get us to settle. Another thing, for some of us, at times we condemn ourselves in order to not grow. We condemn ourselves in order to stay in our comfort zone. Right? Why? Because we're afraid of confrontation and stepping out. We say, oh no, do I really need to step out you know, to receive and for me to, to pour out what God has for me and what God has you know, in me? Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 21. It says, He also gave them this parable. No one lights a lamp only to place it under a basket or under the bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. For there is nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed, and there is no secret that won't be brought out into the light. Verse 23, if you understand what I'm saying, you need to respond. Church, we need to respond. We need to do something. We can't be quiet. 
You need to do something about the stuff that you've learnt, the stuff that you, you know, the things that you've consumed, the bread that you've consumed on a Sunday, the meat that you've consumed on a Sunday. Do something about it. The stuff that you consumed on a Monday, do something about it. On a Tuesday, do something about it. Don't let it dwell. Don't, don't, don't hoard the bread. Consume the bread. You know, let's look at what Peter did on the boat. I right, talk about don't have this, but I'll read it out to you. We know, we know the story. Jesus walks, Jesus walks on the water. I know, spoilers. But it comes to a point where Jesus was on the boat. Jesus, no, no Jesus wasn't on the boat. Not, not yet. Peter was on the boat. Jesus was out in the water. And they're like, ooh, it's a ghost. And Peter's like, no, no, Jesus. Sorry, I'm getting my characters mixed up. Jesus was like, no, nah, it's me. Relax. This is, this is a different translation. Right, it's just me. I'm not a ghost. And Peter's like, "Oh, if it's really you, ask me to step off this bird, and I'll come to you. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'm telling you, I'll do it." Jesus is like, "All right, come to me. Come." Calls him out. Peter hops off the bird, walks on water. He's like, "Yeah, this is great. This is great." And then he realizes that there are waves bigger than him, and that's when he started to sink. What I want to highlight is verse 30, right, where it says, but when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried out. What I want to highlight here is that if he's walking on water, he's walking on the water, he's walking above the waves, right? Like if, the, if that is now the place where you're walking on, the water and the waves is beneath you. So the issue is beneath you. The thing that you're afraid of is beneath you. The thing that you feel that is going to take hold of you, you've already conquered. The thing that you're fearing, you've already won. You're on top of it. You're stepping on it even. But some of us, that's the thing, we focus on the fear. Even though we've won it already, we're focusing, we're looking at, oh, okay. That's where I'm at right now. And then we start to revert, to go back into the fear rather than something that we are to stay standing over, walking over. So church, we need to adjust our focus. John 16, 33 says, And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Amen? See, this one verse says a lot, right? It says we have peace and great confidence in Jesus. In Galatians 2.20, which is here, it highlights the fact that Christ lives in you. Christ lives in us. Because I've been crucified with Christ and I, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He lives in each and every one of you. So what does that mean? It means that the peace, that the courage that God has, that Jesus has, we have access to that. That's something that's within us. We have access, direct access to that. And what this verse highlights is that 
or what the previous test highlighted is that we, you know, if he's already overcome it all, then so have we. So the question is, what are we doing with this access? And some of us, this is another piece of meat, is that some of us are doing nothing with it. Some of us would rather be comfortable in the trouble and the sorrow than step out ourselves. You know, some of us, this is just some, but some people in this room, some of us, we don't need outside help. I know, confronting. Some of us don't need outside help. Some of us are ready to, we have access to it. We just need to take it. But the thing is, we're just convincing ourselves not to go for it. Pastor Bill Johnson says this thing where he says, Jesus did not give us power and authority so we could sit in a pew and wait for the rapture. <laughs> so what are we doing? Tuan Church, I need you to ask yourself, what am I doing? You have Jesus inside of you. You have the power and the anointing. What are you doing with it? For the youth and young adults, don't think you need to hit a certain age. You don't need to hit the age of 22 or 25 for you to be qualified. And where God says, okay, here's the certificate. Here's the driving's license. There you go. Go for it. You don't need to hit a certain age. You don't need to wait until your parents give you the green light for, you, for God to use you. Come on. And for some of us as well, the parents, you don't feel like, you don't, think, you don't need to think like, oh, okay, once my kids are old enough, then that's when I have more time for myself, then that's when God will use me. That's when I'll step out. Don't limit what God can do through you because of your confidence. Matthew 28, 19. It says, now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some of us thinking, no, 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 that's not me. That's only for like a select group of people. Um, that's probably just for like Pastor Ted, Pastor Victor, Pastor Sylve, Pastor AJ, and probably a couple other people in this church. But that's not for me. But this scripture, this word is for everyone. This is for all of us. All right? Don't allow your, yourself to stop your influence, your influence in the kingdom, influence for the kingdom, because you are too comfortable. You know, we need to be who God calls us to be, the salt and light of the earth. And the question you need to ask yourself is, am I, am I these things? Am I these things that God is stating that I am? If you can believe that you're a child of God, you can also believe that you're also a light in this world. The question is, what are you doing with that? What are you doing with that anointing? What are you doing with that authority? See, we aren't in this temporary world. You aren't in your temporary vessel to just settle down and to just live life and have a good time. Sure, that's part of it. Enjoy yourselves, have, you know, laugh. Joy is great. But there is an agenda, there is a purpose there is a kingdom for you to expand. So the question is, for some of us, what are you doing with your finance, your time, and your effort, and your dreams, and your hopes? What are you doing with that? I feel like I'm really just identifying every single person in this room. And God is highlighting to me that they need, you guys need to hear this. 
So for some of you, I'm even saying, wow, never, no one's really ever talked about this in such a way where you know, they're really exposing me right now. Feel that this is for you. Don't, don't miss out on what God is doing. Don't miss out on the opportunity that God has for you this morning because you're in a place of who does this person think he is to say this stuff. Don't fall under that trap. For some of us, God has given you a vision for you to run towards. And what a vision is, is an, is an investment. God is investing in you. God is investing in each and every one of you. And as God is, and as for those that are in finance, when you place an investment in something, there is an expectation. Right? For those that you invest in something, you don't go, oh, I'm going to invest in this because I want to lose. Right? When you invest in something, you want to gain. When you invest in something, you want to see fruitfulness. You want to see multiplication. You want to see that in the green. You don't want to see that in the red. So what does that say about us when God is investing in us? There's an expectation. There's a hope and desire for us to succeed. And it's not that we do it out of our own strength. God has given us the tools, the authority and the power to do so. So that, that excuse is outside the window. We can't say, oh, I don't have the proper tools, I don't have the proper knowledge, I don't have the proper experiences. No, God has all that for you, ready to go. The question is, would you say yes? Would you step out? Would you step out in obedience? Would you step out of your comfort zone? Would you step into the unfamiliar for you to do that? So Pastor Todd Wyatt says, I love it, the worst you can be is wrong. The worst you can lose is nothing except pride. And what I, want to love, what I love about this is that pride isn't even ours to begin with. If we're expanding the kingdom, it's not for us, it's for God. So that pride isn't even yours to lose. So what have you got to lose? Oh, because it's embarrassing? So what will they think about me if I share this? Think about me when they share that. For me personally... I don't want to be a place, at a place of comfort when there are people around me or there are people that I know or don't know that are hurting. There are hurt people outside there. And I'm sure there are hurt people inside this room as well. But I'm not going to allow, I don't want to allow my comfort to stop me from being able to love on them. No matter what that looks like. And this is the question we need to ask ourselves is, are you allowing your comfort to stop you from pouring out that love onto people that need it? People are hurt outside. People are hurt inside. You may not even know, but people may be hurt inside the four walls of your home. Have you even asked those people in your home, how are you going? Rather than assuming, oh, everyone's all fine because they're all smiling, they're all come to church together, it does, that doesn't mean that everyone's all fine. I think we need to be intentional, right? We need to be intentional with seeking to pour out love. We need to be intentional to pour out hope. We need to be intentional with the thing that we carry, which is Christ. And if you, for those that want to step out of our comfort zone, we need to be intimate with God. Because from that intimacy, you know, we learn to lean, to trust Him more than move to our comfort zone. Now, Proverbs 3, 6 says this, we need to lean on Him, not our own understanding. Lean on Him. 
some of us think that, you know, it's easy to assume, it's easy to do all the stuff that I mentioned before, judgment, prejudice and all that. It's easy to go and fall into that. But that's comfortable. God wants to do so much more in you, but that's in another zone. And that's, what's, that's what God is inviting you this morning. So if you want to grow, you want, to, you want God to use you, you want the best that God has for you, do you want to grow this church? Do you want to grow those that are in your family? Then you need to be intimate with God. Get intimate. Get intentional. Now, this isn't a ploy for, for evangelism for you to go out and get more people into faith life. By all means, if there's a local church near them, get them to go there. Join them for a couple sessions and until they're settled, come back. This isn't a club. This Faith Life Church is not a club. We're not inviting more people to a club. Your life group is not a club. It's not a club where you can, oh, this is go to my life group. My life group is way better than so-and-so's life group. We have pizza. <laughs> it's not a club. I know it sounds ridiculous, but sometimes that's, how we, that's what we settle into. We can laugh about it, but let's be real. Some of us feel that we need to convince others to come to church. We're not, we don't need to convince others. We just need to plant that seed. Pastor Rich from View Church even goes on to say that we're so concerned about the value of the seed that we have when really we lose sight that the seed, we have infinite amount of seed, but it's the soil. Soil is the one that's valuable. And for those that, that garden, soil is the one that will, will tell you whether that seed will grow or not. But the beauty, beauty is, is that soil is being tended by God. That seed is being tended by God. All we need to do is just throw the seed. Two Corinthians five ten says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad." As I said, I don't want to be in this. Way. I don't want to get to that seat. I don't want to get to that place where my time passes where God is highlighting these things or asking me these things, oh, why didn't you speak to someone, so what happened here, that kind of thing. And I don't want to say, oh, God, you know, it's too comfortable. I don't want to get to the point where I don't want to hear that a friend of mine or a family member wasn't a, like, isn't with me in heaven because I was too comfortable. Oh, come on, somebody. When you go up there, you don't want to hear that stuff like, oh, you could have had this. You could have gotten your best friend. You could have gotten all your friends. You could have gotten your whole workplace here in heaven. But some of them are missing out because you were comfortable. And as confronting as that sounds, it's an opportunity for change. Is that the result that we want? Is that the result that you want? What I want to highlight as, as a wrap-up, as a finishing up, Jesus' first disciples, as I mentioned, as what, as what we read at the beginning, Jesus called out his, his first four disciples from a village or a town called Capernaum. Or in Hebrew, it's I'm, gonna, I'm not going to even try to speak in Hebrew because I'm going to just mess it up completely. So I'm going to just tell you the breakup of it, which is Capernaum. 
Kappa meaning village, Naam being comforter. So together, the village of comfort. Yeah, I can do, I can do, I can do math. Right? I can add these two together. The village of comfort. See, the first disciples were called out of a place of comfort. And as fishermen, they had people hired with them. It mentions it in, in, in that passage that we read earlier. They had hired fishermen. So they weren't broke. They weren't struggling. They were well off. Fishing was a wealthy thing. Wealthy business. It was fruitful. They were able to have that wealth. But they were called out of that success. They were called out of that earthly provision. And what did they do? They immediately dropped it. It wasn't like Jesus had to try and convince them, like, oh, and if you hang out with me, I'll show you like, some cool stuff that God can do. They immediately dropped it. Why? Because they saw the value and they saw that, hey, I, val- I, can, I can see more value in this than what I'm doing right now. Matthew eleven twenty three to 24. Talking about Capernaum. In Capernaum, do you really think, this is Jesus speaking, do you really think you'll be exalted because of the great miracles I've done here? No, you'll be brought down to the depths of hell because of your rejection of, of me. For if the miracles I worked in your streets were done in Sodom, you would still be standing today. Heavy stuff. Jesus denounced Capernaum. Why? Why, why, why was Jesus so upset about this? did all these miracles, did all these healings. Why was he upset? He was upset because Capernaum reverted back. They reverted back to their comfort zone. They saw the things that Jesus could do. They've witnessed it. They've experienced it. They've shared testimonies about it. But what did they do? They went back. In, in, in doing that, they were rejecting and rebuking the very, ter- the very testimony of God through Jesus' miracles and mighty works. They rebuked it. How did they rebuke it? They went back to their comfort zone. I was speaking to, um, to Lewis about this yesterday at, at, at the baptism, and he was telling me that when he went, went on that, that journey in Israel and he, he visited that village, he's saying it's, it's not as well off as the other places around, like the cities around, surrounding it. And it just shows you that that, that denouncement that Jesus had, it echoes through generations. It's still in effect today. It's not as well off as it was before, and it's still in effect today. So your comfort zone, let this really settle in your heart. Let it really plant this thing in your heart where your comfort zone doesn't just affect your today or tomorrow, but it affects your family. It affects your children or future children. It affects their generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. Your comfort zone today. So what are you doing with your comfort zone? Are you going to let it keep on keeping on? Continue to revert back to it, let it affect the next generation? I'll just invite the worship team to come up. So this morning, there is an opportunity for us to step out of our comfort zone.
to step into the unfamiliar zone. And I want to encourage those that, this, for some of us that are seeking comfort, the comfort is so ready for you. You don't need to seek in other places. God has it ready for you right here, right now. You know, Holy Spirit is sent to comfort us, but, and as I said, it's not that we seek comfort for ourselves, but the Word actually tells us to be those that comfort others as well. So if you know someone that is, in, that is hurting or in pain, don't just watch and say, okay, you know, time will heal them, they'll be all right. Be there, be there to comfort them. Allow Holy Spirit to speak and move through you to give that comfort to them. I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, you're not the, you're not the lie or the mistake or, or the issue that the enemy has been yelling at you for years. I just feel that there's some of us that need to hear that this morning. You are not the lie that the enemy has said to you. We are free. Amen? No, I really need you to believe that. Not just saying amen, I need you to really take it in your heart that you are free. You are set free. The cross, Christ's resurrection, that's not just for a select group of people, but that's for all of us. And all it comes down to is whether to receive it or not. But that doesn't change the fact that you are free. that there are things that you know there are lies that we really need to break this morning if there's always things that we've been convincing ourselves oh I'm not this I'm not that there are, there are so many so many times that we can fall into the trap of self-condemnation and God is saying that's not you that's not who I created you to be that's not your true identity. Your true identity is that you are my child. Your true identity is that you have access. The true identity is that you're royalty. Your true identity is that you're a new creation in Christ. And don't think, oh, I got baptized and that was when the new creation wasn't, but then I've sinned in between that time no, we said it earlier. His mercies are new every morning. So that's already erased. So church, you were know, so loved. Each and every one of you are so loved. For those watching as well, you are so loved. Because God is speaking to you this morning. God is highlighting to you this morning that you are so valuable to him. We're going to have a time of, or, you know, for response time at the front here shortly, but I want to encourage those that as we sit here, when you just close your eyes, whether you bow your heads, you raise them, when you just close your eyes, and allow God to just pour out His love onto you. Allow Holy Spirit to comfort you. 
Allow Holy Spirit to just wrap His arms around you, to just embrace you. And as Holy Spirit hugs you, just release. Just let go. Let go of that hurt. Let go of that unforgiveness. Because these are obstacles. God is seeing this as obstacles. Obstacles to what? Obstacles for Him. For Him to pour out more of His love to you. Let's lower our defences. Let's put offences down. Just allow God to speak. Allow God to move. Allow God to bring back that joy. Allow God to, to speak His promises in your heart. Don't worry about those next to you. Don't worry about, you know, just focus on Him right now. Holy Father, just remove any distraction in this room right now. Just a clear, laser-cut focus on you, Lord. For each and every one of us, a fresh encounter, a fresh revelation of your love, a fresh experience, Father. Father, I invite you right now to just take us into the unfamiliar zone as we enter in. And Father, I just pray that we step into a zone of being vulnerable into you right now. Speak to us. Speak through us. But church, this is what God wants to highlight. It's time to respond. It's time to respond. You know, this room is filled with mighty warriors of God. Church, it's time to pick up your shield, pick up your sword. Pick up your armor. Time to put it on. Thank you, Lord. Amen.